Hello Void, this is John Paul Haas and you are consuming episode 2 of the Nerdislav podcast. I am joining you today from a rather different location than last time. For whatever reason, my beloved microphone that I use to record these silly little things stopped working on my desktop, so I had to run to work and use my work computer, where, again, for whatever reason, the microphone works perfectly fine. Explain that. I can't, I tried, I give up. Anyway, today we will mostly be talking about gaming and sporty stuff. There is not much in terms of the cartoony things that I want to bring up, so let us get going, let us get started. So with gaming, the first major issue that I want to tackle in today's podcast is D&D, and I'm really excited actually. I mentioned last time that I wasn't sure where my campaign is going, whether my players want to keep playing, whether they want to keep joining me, and surprise, surprise, they do. So I am very glad and really excited to be playing D&D again. I am so, so excited to break out the beautiful module called the Storm King's Thunder and bring it to my players, bring it to the table, make sure that we all have fun. So that's great. Talking about D&D, there was some really interesting news coming up earlier this week, and that is that we are in fact going to two new, well, really we should say one new, and one familiar plane in the D&D universe, and that's Eberon and Ravnica. And I think both of these announcements are pretty rad, to be perfectly honest with you. I have never been the biggest fan of Eberron, not really familiar with the setting, but I understand that there are many, many fans that love this setting, that love the universe, that love Warforged, which are very integral to the Eberron setting, and I think this is great for them. And I'm excited to explore what Eberron is all about. The second thing that I am a lot more interested in is Ravnica. You might know Ravnica from Magic the Gathering. It's the plane with all the guilds, all the colored guilds. And because I am a big fan of the Izzet or the Red-Blue guild, going to Ravnica in an officially announced and officially released module is so cool. I am really, really happy and I can't wait to get my hands on that publication. I can't wait to maybe run a few one-shots in that setting. It would be nice if uh, Wizards decided to really publish settings in these two universes, like proper, and when I mean settings, I mean stories, jeez. But I don't think that's gonna happen. I think what we are getting here is something akin to the Sword Coast Guide that they published a few years ago that I too have that presents some options, some history, and doesn't really give you much in terms of campaign material, as in pre-constructed campaign material. You can still very well use all this information to construct brand new campaign, but if you're like me and you're lazy or don't have the time to craft major, major story, I think this is not gonna be quite the product that I wish it was. Nevertheless, all of the lore and all of that kind of shindig that I'm excited about. I think that's gonna be great. So I can't wait to introduce my players to the great dragon Niv-Mizzet, which will probably have to play a 
key role in anything I do. But, you know, we have a lot of cool things coming up in the Ravnica setting too, with like the new MTG block coming up in the fall that's gonna be centered on Ravnica as well. So, yeah, amazing. Gonna be a lot of fun. And I already approached MTG, so I might as well jump straight to it. I noticed, and I wasn't really paying attention much, I fell off the train a little bit in terms of the updates, but I did notice that the 2018 Commander Precons are coming up in August. And I was really excited at first, right? We are finally getting a UR or blue-red Precon with Sahili as the Planeswalking Commander. Yeah, we are having Commanders as Planeswalkers, or rather Planeswalkers as Commanders again. And I was really excited. I really wanted to get one. I really wanted to play with it because blue-red, that's my color, is it guild, is in my blood. And then I started digging into this year's set of commander decks and I was really disappointed. It seems that the decks are not really good in terms of their value, in terms of the cards that we are getting, definitely worse than some of the past years, which is sad. I mean, I think they will be still great to just pick up and play, but I wish they were just slightly more powerful, they offered slightly more in terms of reprints, and they don't. And given that the price was bumped up by, you know, it's not much, it's five bucks, but still, you know, they bumped up the price, and Wizards did mention that they do it to facilitate more reprints, better reprints, and we don't get any. That doesn't really make any sense to me, and that is very, very disappointing. So I originally wanted to go to Card Kingdom and get some of my decks from there because I love that store, I've been using it for years now. But at the end I don't think I will. Now what got me thinking is the fact that Card Kingdom already is producing a lot of this casual pre-con fun product. They are having their brawl decks or sparring decks rather I should call it. So there is even this precedent for them making Con, uh, constructed or pre-constructed rather product that is commander or commander-like plus with the battle decks too right there is a lot of experience there is a lot of tradition making these casual level fun decks that I can buy and I can break out with my friends around the kitchen table and we can get a game of Magic the Gathering going either casual or casual commander and I wonder if this is something Card Kingdom would want to do or they don't want to like step on Wizard's toes because if Card Kingdom releases pre-constructed commander product that is better than the commander product that Wizards themselves put out I think we would be getting into some pretty complicated territory but who knows who knows, maybe that is something that will happen. I would love to see it, that's for sure. And since my Izzet Sahili is not the, way, uh, not the kind of deck I wished, I guess I'll just stay with my fun Melek deck. And that one is a lot of fun. If you haven't heard about it, just look it up. Melek, the Izzet Paragon deck for Commander or EDH, however you want to call it, is so much fun. It's kind of crazy, and I love it. Alright, so that would be D&D and M MTG, let's move on and let's talk about some video games as well. I played mostly Witcher this week again, I usually don't play many different games, I like to pick my games and play them until I finish them, 
and so I've been playing Witcher and I've been having fun. The game is gonna take me many months to complete, I believe. There is so much content, there is so much to explore. I want to do all the missions, I want to do all the contracts, and that means spending a lot of time exploring. I'm already hopelessly overleveled for what I'm supposed to do, but I don't care. I'm not one of those players who have to be challenged, my Dark Souls kind of situation, nah. I like the idea of being powerful and being able to slice enemies in half in a gory spray of blood and guts. It's so satisfying. So in other news in terms of gaming, we should probably talk about Banner Saga 3. And now full disclosure, I backed this on Kickstarter. And Banner Saga 3 is out. Actually, it's out a little bit earlier than I expected. I thought it wouldn't be out until later this year, but they managed to get it out this summer, just a few days ago. It was released on Steam, and I honestly can't wait to pl play it. It is definitely on the list, but when I go back to Banner Saga, I want to play from 1 through 3. So, clean playthrough. I finished 1 before, and I want to continue playing but hope, hopefully we will be able to get to that sometime soon. I have to say, you know, I'm glad that the game came up in pretty good state. There are some people complaining about bugs, but that always happens. Bugs, glitches, will get sorted out. Reviews are in and they are overall pretty positive. Some people complain about the story not being satisfying enough. I don't know, I will have to make my own judgment. But given the fact that there are so many different paths the game can take based on your decisions, I wouldn't be surprised if some minute storyline plots don't get perfectly sorted out. It would be disappointing a little bit, yes, but not unexpected. That just with kind of the story matters or the decisions matter kind of gameplay, that tends to happen. And I will say that it is good to see a Kickstarter campaign that went basically without any obvious hitch. I didn't pay enough attention, admittedly. I threw my money at it and I waited and then the game came out and it was great. I haven't heard about any crazy problems the game had during development, any issues. Unlike another project that I recently kickstarted, which is the Pathfinder Kingslayer. This is a game that's based in the Pathfinder universe. It is a game that resembles the isometric RPGs of old, your Baldur's Gates, your Icewind Dales, Planescape Torments, Pillar of Eternities, right? And now let's unpack what's been happening this past week, right? Now we know that the game will release relatively on time. It will release in September, which is good. You know, that is a good news in and of itself. The fact that we actually are getting games off of Kickstarter that are releasing on time. But there is not a lot of things to celebrate right now, and I will tell you why. The problem is that one of their most recent announcements, Owlcats basically said, hey guys, after the release, look at all the season passes and DLCs that we have prepared. And that, expectedly, quite so anyway, started a huge, huge uproar among the backers who now feel that they are getting ripped off, that there is content that's been carved out of the core game that will be just drip-fed through DLCs, through the season pass, which, you know, might not be the case at all. We don't know. I haven't seen the game. I have not backed for the beta access because I will not pay for the privilege to fix someone else's problems. I want my game to be ready 
on delivery when I want to play it. I will not play a beta, I will not play early access, that's not what I want to do. There are plenty of finished good games for me to enjoy without spending time on stupid early access or betas that, you know, will take the enjoyment out of the end product, at least for me. Not for everyone, I know people love going into it, picking things apart, and that's great. On my side of things, I just don't care. So, yeah. This was announced and backers went a little bit crazy and admittedly I can understand where they're coming from. It doesn't help that Ovalcat representatives are now kind of riding the storm and don't really respond, don't really post anything, don't address the backers at all, which may be good, may be bad. But I will say, you know, it is really quite disappointing if you think about the products where you back something with the expectation that you are getting a complete product then just a few weeks before release you get this new information that you didn't know about and that might have affected your decision to back or how much you want to throw at the product that is a disappointment similar situation actually arose a couple of weeks ago with the critical role miniatures kickstarter when the producer of the miniatures decided to announce a limited run of the Vaxeldan figurine which also upset a lot of people because people felt like that was something that could have been included in the core package that now we are not getting a complete collection, yada, yada, yada. And that, again, is understandable, but not maybe most reasonable approach, right? That is just how people see things, and it might not be necessarily how we should think about things when we evaluate the project. But Kickstarter developers should really think about when and how they want to announce DLC or extra content. We know that it is possible and it is acceptable to do, right? It doesn't mean that when there is a DLC announced or when there is a season pass announced that automatically means that we don't get something that was supposed to be in the core game. We have been burned by a lot of the shindig that AAA, or as Jim Sterling would say, AAA developers pull off, you know? But it is not necessarily what these smaller indie developers do. They often use this to breathe a little bit of extra life into their game in the long run. And that is fine. It keeps people employed. It gives us more content. But it's better to consider how certain announcements will look like or will seem to the audience when you tell them, hey, you know, we have all this content that we couldn't get into the base game or that we didn't get enough money to put into the base game. But we hope that with the cash that we get through the release, we will be able to incorporate new races, new classes, maybe new quests. And I will just say, I mean, it is possible to maybe at least subsidize your DLC for the backers. Why not? These folks have thrown their hard-earned cash on the project that you proposed as a developer. The least you can do is to give them a little bit extra, a little bit more to build that goodwill. Because what I've seen is, among the comments, kind of that idea, oh, I'm not sure if I want to back your project anymore. Maybe I will just wait for it to get released and then buy it like everyone else because I don't see much of a benefit when I will still not get the complete product. I will still have to buy a season pass. I will still have to buy DLC for people who only play game once or twice this kind of experience matters because we are not getting 
a full product at the launch. There are going to be pieces of content releasing later that may not be carved out of the core game, but definitely may influence how the core game is played. Maybe it will give us more quests early in the game. If you've already passed that area of the game, can you go back? Can you revisit these quests? It will give you more options in terms of classes. If you've already gone 20-25 hours with your one class and now do you need to start a new game? Can you respec? Can you do anything to basically make full use of that new DLC in your playthrough? I don't know. Sometimes DLCs like this mess up with the game progression. Saves becoming compatible. That has happened in the past. So just something to keep in mind. I think it would be nice for Owlcat to consider what the developers of Witcher, the CD Projekt Red team did, which is combine paid DLC and unpaid DLC. Give folks some things for free, give folks some things for money, mix it up, build the goodwill, build the perception among your audience that you care, that you love them. That might be a good way of sorting this entire issue out. But hey, what do I know? I'm not a Kickstarter developer or I'm not a person working at Kickstarter, I'm not a person working in PR. So maybe I'm I'm talking crap. Possible, but I don't know. Just being a little more cognizant might go a long way. So that being said, let's move on to the sporty stuff. There are a couple of things about sports I want to talk about mostly wrestling and quite a bit of Tour de France as well, just because I'm really giddy about what's been happening in France over the past week. So let us address it all. But let's start with wrestling first. I've been watching more Lucha Underground and I will have to say I do love the Lucha Libre component. I think that's a lot of fun. It's entertaining, the flipping and the high flying and the daredevilry. That's amazing. That is what I like. That is what is really the thing that brings me back to wrestling. But I'm not the biggest fan of the big guy stuff. Now, Lucha Libre or Lucha Underground specifically has introduced some of their bigger luchadors, people like Cage, people like Big Rick, and even Alberto El Patron, who is not a good person. But I don't quite like the bouts that involve that part of the roster. They are the traditional kind of big man matches usually that I don't like as much. I know it. We it's weird, it comes from someone who enjoys The Undertaker, but that's kind of guilty pleasure, maybe, or something that I can look past because I love the mystique of the character, and it's a character that I loved to watch when I was little. But now, it's not just, not something that I want. I would like the more technical, the more high-flying fare that I don't necessarily get from the bigger guys, which is just something that I hope they don't spend a lot more time on. I want them to focus on the mass luchadors more than the big guys who... You, you can watch big guys anywhere else. You can watch big guys in WWE. That's basically a big guy paradise. You can watch them in ROH and other promotions. So I think Lucha Underground has this high-flying pinned down really well and maybe... Just maybe that could be something they focus on a lot more. And knowing that the show keeps going on, I can't wait to see where they take the product. Now, let us talk about how WWE does things. Raw on Monday was disappointing to me in a number of ways, but just number one, Roman wins again. 
defeats Bobby Lashley. So we are getting, again, Roman versus Lesnar at a pay-per-view, probably main event. Why? We've seen it before, we have seen it multiple times, and it's just tired. You are pushing a guy that you have kind of buried over the past six months, at least since WrestleMania, and now you want fans to get behind him? fans that are already booing him, fans that are leaving the arena when he's about to wrestle. These fans are not giving Roman a chance anymore. It's sad, but we have reached the point in Roman's career where I'm not sure what can save him as a babyface. You can't save him with big name celebrity backing him up like The Rock. That's already happened, and they got booed out of the building. Maybe a heel turn? Maybe just kind of tap into the feeling that the crowd already has towards Roman? But they will not do that either, because Roman still shifts all the merchandise among children, among women. He is popular. We smarks forget that he can be very much of a draw at house shows and at live events. But there is still a lot of booing, and we need to do something. And throwing him and at Lesnar again might not be the best choice. At least, for the love of the squared circle, Vince, let him win. Just go all in on him, ha, pun intended. Go all in. Have him win. Have him beat Lesnar, and let Lesnar go to UFC and do his thing. Just don't give us a swerve again. Don't let... Brock win again because what will happen afterwards? Are we gonna see more reigns? Are we gonna see someone else finally challenge Lesnar? Why couldn't we see it now already? Why couldn't we see Lashley? Lashley would have made so much sense like the story you could build around them both being MMA fighters that would be awesome not to mention that we could easily make Lashley a babyface in this feud right? Easily, easily a babyface and Roman could get into something else, could do other things. So, yeah, I'm disappointed with, with that. Now, I love what the WWE is doing with the all-women pay-per-view evolution, which is coming up in October. I have recently learned that that might be because they are going back to Saudi Arabia and they can't bring the women with them. But let us focus on the positives at first. I think it's great that WWE is finally getting on with the times and giving women the chance to do their own pay-per-view. If we ignore the people who say, oh, where's the men's pay-per-view? You know, guys, just go stuff it. I don't care. Just go stuff it. This is great opportunity for women in WWE. And yes, I know that Impact has done all women pay-per-views before. That's fine, but WWE as a mainstream promotion hasn't yet. The fact that they are going to now is awesome. That is wonderful, and I can't wait to see where they take it. Now, there are a few things that keep me worried. Number one, I do hope they keep Stephanie McMahon as far away from the product as possible. It's a wishful thinking. I know that's not going to happen, but I wish they could do that. I wish they just left Stephanie away from it because she has the tendency to make everything about herself when you have so much female talent past present and future that you could feature here without having miss mcmahon steal the show just don't 
The second related part is, you need good storylines, you just do. Whatever is happening right now across the women's roster in WWE, or at least the, the main roster, not the NXT, NXT is fine, but the WWE main roster storylines for women are not very good, to say the least. Whatever is happening on SmackDown with the title and Asuka and Ellsworth and Carmella, I have no idea. I wish I knew. I wish I could explain this, but I can't. And I will get into Asuka issues in a moment. But whatever is happening there makes zero sense. Similarly, we do not have any good program on Raw for Sasha versus Bailey. Whatever that has been all about, oh dear goodness, I don't know. They are friends now, they weren't friends before, it seemed like they might be in love, now they are not. Just, just creative, needs to get consistent, needs to be able to put up good stories on a consistent basis instead of just wasting our time. That's all, that's all what needs to happen, just give us good stories, build up the drama, don't make things up as you go. Have a plan. Think about long-term booking. Long-term booking makes the difference. That's just what I think would really, really elevate evolution. Now, I did mention something about Asuka, and this is a bigger picture of bigger or bigger set of issues that I'm seeing that affect Finn Balor, Rusev, Asuka, and a bunch of other stars that seem to be just getting constantly buried. You have these talented people like Finn Balor, like Rusev, like Asuka, like Shinsuke Nakamura, who you are just burying beneath inconsistent booking, beneath crazy storylines, beneath this lack of consistent and long-term booking, which really makes me sad because those talent are really, really good. They are skilled in ring, they can talk, at least some of them, Rusev can definitely talk, Finn can talk, Shinsuke is amazing when he's let off the leash. So if creative was just a little bit more cognizant of who they have to work with, we would have no problem. Instead, we do, we do have a lot of problems here and we might be losing some of this talent. There have already been rumors about Shinsuke going back to NJPW, which wouldn't be a big loss for wrestling fans, but I think it would be a loss for the WWE roster. We would just get Shinsuke in NJPW unchained the same way Chris Jericho is unchained in NJPW creatively. So yeah, absolutely. Let's give these people more to work with. Let's let them be creative. I know it may not be sitting well with parts of the main roster's audience, but what do you have to lose? If you are already burying these talents, just let them do something. Let them get over. Of course, WWE doesn't like their stars getting over on their own, so maybe that is not a good advice at all. But hey, you know, at least we have 205 Live, we have NXT, and we have NJPW. And the G1 tournament rocks. And I can't wait to see more matches. I've just 
again, seen a few with Kenny Omega, seen a few matches with Kota Ibushi and others, and that's the kind of performance. I love the performance in ring, the storylines, hey, you know, for me, you know, I, I know that I was waxing lyrical about long-term booking and long-term storytelling. In the end, it doesn't really matter to me as much, um, but what matters to me is the good in-ring action, but in the end, they do these two components do tie to each other. You don't feel as invested in what's happening in the ring if there is not a good compelling story backing it up. So that's just my two cents on that. And before we wrap up, let us talk a bit more about Tour de France. And who would have guessed? Well, I would to begin with. Geraint Thomas is going to win. I'm recording this after the time trial on Saturday, so if we don't experience any major change, if there is not like a big bird that swoops down from the sky and carries Garant Thomas away, he's gonna win. He's going to arrive on Champs-Élysées in the yellow jersey and he's going to bring it to the finish and it will be amazing. Surprise, surprise, color me bloody surprise, definitely, Froome was helping. Froome helped Geraint Thomas, he worked as a super domestique during the grueling, grueling stage on Friday. And I was flabbergasted, I couldn't believe it. I thought Froome would be a prima donna, would say no, I do not want to help at all. Instead, he puts the foot down and he helps and the rest of the team goes together and unites behind Geraint Thomas and pushes him to victory. Well done. Well done, team, team Sky. I am happy for Geraint Thomas. He definitely deserved it. After that nasty crash a couple of years ago, he really, really stole my heart. So I am very glad that he will win his first Tour de France. Tom Dumoulin, my other favorite rider that's not a Slav, has worked super hard to secure second place. And I think, barring any unforeseen circumstance, Tom definitely has a good chance in the future. He crushed the time trial, and I think he is by far the hottest candidate for the golden medal at the UCL World Championship in the fall. Definitely in time trial, and I think even in the regular road race, he will have a lot to say and a lot to give to the race. But yeah, that outcome with basically top three now being Thomas, Dumoulin and Froome. That's about what we expected. I am a little bit sad about Roglic not making the podium. He crushed it in the stage on Friday, supposedly with a little bit of help from a TV motorcycle, but hey, you do what you can to win, I suppose, and he was not holding on to it, he was just drafting. He was drafting in the slipstream, so yeah, anyone probably could do it, but I think in the future we should, or rather UCI and the organizers of the races should look into preventing these unfair advantages. But he didn't do very well during the time trial, and so he fell out of the podium again. I'm really surprised how well uh, Latour did as a young player, uh, or young rider, I should say. He, of course, is very talented, but I didn't expect him to do so well. I expected him to sacrifice throughout the race for Romain Bardet. And he did on Friday, that's for sure. He sacrificed there and lost some time in the white jersey competition. But he did so well throughout the race that I think maybe in the future 
Ajideser should think about who should their leader be, who is capable of actually delivering some results, because it doesn't seem like Bardet will. Similarly, I'm kind of disappointed about how poorly some of the other supposed favorites of the race performed. Of course, Richie Port leaving the tour again. I don't think he'll ever win a Grand Tour. At this point, it's gonna be a mental block that something's gonna happen to me and I will not make it again. And you have people like Quintana that should have been a star, should have won many races, and yet he's kind of plateaued and never reached his full potential, which is definitely sad. And now with other promising young Colombian riders, Gaviria and Egan Bernal in the contention, maybe maybe that's it for Quintana. Maybe he will never win Tour de France. He did obviously do well on other Grand Tours, but Tour de France is eluding him. And maybe he will not ever be able to do it. Who knows? One more thing. Peter Sagan is the beast. After the crash earlier in the week, which must have been really painful, and I'm really glad that the TV cameras didn't record it, didn't catch it, because that must have been really, really atrocious. He powered through. He suffered on the flat stage, even though he put himself in the contention for the finish, which, you know, given how shredded he was and how bloodied he was, in its own was a success. Then on Friday, in that grueling mountain stage, he was able to keep up with the time limit. Must have been so hard. I complain when my knee hurts just a little bit when I go out for a ride, and he got out there and rode up three major calls and crushed it. I am so in awe. He is just great. And he did well in the time trial today. And maybe, maybe tomorrow he will even try for the Champs-Élysées finish. It would be surprising if some of the other sprinters let him get away with it, especially given how battered Sagan is right now. But man, wouldn't that be a feel-good story for the end of the tour. Still, he's gonna have his green jersey, and if he hasn't already, is now for sure one of the legends of the sport. And I don't think he's going to want to stop winning. I think he's going to continue pushing for these green jerseys, pushing for the world championship jerseys, even though I don't think he has a chance, really, or a big chance anyway this year, given that the World Championship parkour is rather mountainous and pretty hard in terms of the climbs. I think next few years, again, as we will go into more kind of classics-style World Championship, he will do well, especially maybe in England next year. That might serve him well. That might be a good area for him to win again. And I'm just happy about Tour de France because I did well in the time trial fantasy game because I finally clinched that number one, that coveted number one, which comes with a free drink in my local bike shop. I was second a bunch of times, third a bunch of times, and now I finally, finally managed to win. It would be amazing if I could somehow, some way, edge into the final or top five of the competition 
but I think I'm just too far out. In the future, what I think I will do is I will not really focus as much as the, to have everything covered. I kind of regret putting um, the Yates on my team and not being able to switch him out later on just because I kind of messed up and I didn't quite understand the game to be perfectly honest. But now I do. So in future iterations, especially for the Vuelta, maybe for the Worlds, I will definitely be a lot more careful. And as the time comes, I can't wait to speak more about what do I expect? What do I think will happen at these major races? Anyway, I think that's it for today. We're going to wrap up a little bit early, but it doesn't matter. I have some more editing to do on this podcast. So in the meantime, cheers, Void. I will speak to you again soon.